Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hello and welcome to the WrestleTalk podcast. I am Luke Owen, D-A-D, and I'm joined by that bitch, Tempest, Tempo T. Wrestlo, uh, the Blue Ranger today. How the devil are you, sir? I'm absolutely covered in gimmicks. I don't know how I'm going to make this last for the entire stream. I can barely see. Speaking might be a little bit difficult the further we get into this show, but I'm going to make it work. Going to make it work. Uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching today's WrestleTalk news video uh, because you and I were doing it today um, because yeah. it fell off. So um, I watched your Rampage review and you, because you had your lav mic on and mm-hmm. you had the, the the Power Rangers mask over your face, you sounded like a teacher from Peanuts. And you, <laughs> the whole review may as well have just been... Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and it was per- perfectly done because mine, like, I recorded the news from my uh, daughter's nursery today, which hasn't got a lot of stuff in it. So it was echoey. So it was like, it was a, a heck of an audio experience today on the WrestleTalk News. Yeah. Well, I hope that I can uh, get my points across as, as well as possible. But yeah, that is the trouble with something like this. I mean, I kind of like, I have to stick my jaw out in order to be able to speak. In order, because otherwise I'm just like completely pressed up against my face here. Oh man, yeah, it, that's it's why you use. Work, yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, this is why you get a proper costume and not just like a morph suit. But oh well. Yeah, I uh, I had one of those morph suits. We um back early doors of me being at rest talk so ollie and i used to work for a film website which we've talked about quite a lot on the podcast before and we were contacted by a morph suit company that were doing like marvel branded morph suits mm-hmm. so they sent us like a couple of them they sent us a spider-man one and they sent us a captain america one but the captain america one they sent was a small <laughs> and i'm a, at at best i'm a medium so it was quite the stretch to put on. In fact, like real early days rest talk videos when Ollie was still doing his Wonder Ollie stuff, I was then Captain Luke and I was wearing the Captain America morph suit thing. I would just wouldn't put the thing over the top of my head because it would have suffocated me. I just had it <laughs> up and I just thought I carried on wearing my cap. But yeah, man, it was a heck of a I, I did not enjoy wearing it much. No, and it's crazy because there were a number of uh, Canadian hockey fans known as the Green Men 
who would just go to their games dressed in a completely head-to-toe neon green morph suit and just be wacky. But I can't imagine wearing one of these things for like a three-hour game. That's insane. Bad enough. Bad enough you're doing this for an hour-long podcast. Yeah, tell me about it. Why, why, uh, why the Blue Ranger? That's a great question. This was originally part of uh this was part of like a group costume where we were all various Power Rangers and uh I I just ended up being the blue one. Someone else was the red one, someone else was a white one, someone else was a green one and I was like, "Yeah, I'll take the blue one." That's that's cool. I'm just Billy. I'm going to stop you there, Tempest. The red and green ranger, the white and green ranger are the same person. Let's let's get our canon right here. If you had had a party that had a green and white ranger, you are doing it completely wrong. I'm ashamed (laughs) of everyone who does that. What kind of surprises me in this, though, is that you're um, 10 years younger than I am. You're like your mid-20s, right? Yeah, mm. yes, you are ten years younger than me. You are dressed up as the Power Rangers that I grew up with, like the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, first aired in '94. Like, so I, this is you probably came out the year you were born. Surely, like your probably. one was, I don't know, Dino Slammers or whatever Power Rangers <laughs> were. Like later on, Car Lovers, I don't know, Space <laughs> Rangers, whatever Space. Power Rangers that came after. <laughs> <laughs> that came on. Came after I stopped watching. So, like, what was your Power Rangers? Honestly, because I I spent a lot of time growing up around my cousin, who is uh, fairly significantly older than me. You know, a few years older than me at least. And uh, he he would watch like you know the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and so that was the one that I always kind of saw, just being around him so often, especially during the summers. But that kind of like extended to a bunch of different things. Like I remember watching like the 90s X-Men cartoons and the Spider-Man cartoons. And I don't so much remember the ones that would come out like in the mid 2000s when I would be closer to like, you know, the target age for something like that. I would always remember the ones that came out in like the 90s and earlier. Well, you know, Talking Simpsons uh, have a sister podcast called What a Cartoon. Uh, which is a fabulous podcast as well. And in that, they always have the joke, because they're like the same age as me, is that we had the best cartoons and anyone that grew up in the decade after us just got it wrong. So sorry about that. (laughs) But like, I think, you know, every generation would say that. I would imagine that, like, it's kind of cool then you're saying that the the cartoons that you remember are the ones that I, essentially I would have remembered, like the 90s Spider-Man and X-Men and the Fantastic Four, just call for four, like all that sort of stuff, as opposed Mm -hmm. to, Ultimate Spider-Man, I think, was probably one of like the mid two thousands. The Ultimate X-Men, Wolverine, and the X-Men, which actually wasn't half that bad a series, really. Yeah, I think I watched a little bit of Ultimate X-Men, but I mean, there were definitely still cartoons that I watched in my day. Like Teen Titans was very big with me way back when, and you know, various cartoons. Uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that I think came out in two thousand three was like my jam. Oh, yeah, that was, you, you had the bad one. Yeah, oh, I like even. <laughs> I mean, I would say you had the bad one, but in fairness, so did I. The generation <laughs> came after us that got the good one. Yeah, I like that Ninja Turtle show. I like the animation. But still, yes, there were a number of shows that came out in the 90s where I was just like, that's really good. I'm going to watch that one. The thing that kind of turned me off, the 2003 TMNT, 
because you know i thought it was broadly fine but they were the first ones to do the big turtles crossover like animated double length episode feature length film sort of thing right mm. and it was them teaming up with the 87 turtles point one it was not a union show which means they didn't have the correct voices point two um they spent the whole way, the whole thing, just going like, "Man, the '87 show was really bad, right? Good job with the 2002, with the 2003 series where we're good and cool. '87 one's well stupid. Like when the 2013 one did the '87 crossover, it treated it with a modicum of respect, where it was like, yeah, it was way goofy and quite crap, but it was mm-hmm. lovable though, wasn't it? Yeah, I feel like that's just kind of how the early 2000s were." Look at us. We're so cool. We're so cool. We're so much better than everyone. I mean, I think that applies to like a lot of different things from that kind of generation. And hopefully they kind of, (laughs) yeah, and they became more humble as the time went on. I mean, like, so in my other podcast that I do reviews a TV show, it's a video game TV show from the 90s, and we have just reached series five. My wife was watching some episodes with me, like while I was on paternity leave, and she said, Dominic Diamond, the host of the show, was like, was he a presenter before this? And I was like, no, 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 this was like his first presenting gig. She was like, hey, you can tell. And I was like, <laughs> why are you saying this? Like, well, he's really like, he's not enthused about anything. I was like, aha, well, that's because he's from the 90s. Mm-hmm. In the 90s, you don't want to say anything is good. Because if it's cool, if you think something is cool, that means you're lame. So mm. like anytime anything new came out, like Power Rangers I came out, it's like, hey, Power Rangers, it's stupid. Animaniacs came out. I don't like that. It's stupid. You have to hate everything that's cool, but like the things that no one else likes until a lot of people start liking them and then it becomes lame again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that I didn't grow up smack dab in the <laughs> 90s because that sounds exhausting. But I do understand cool. the concept. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was a kid, so I loved Power Rangers. I loved yeah. the X Men. I loved Spider Man. So, you know, all the adults just kept telling me, hey, the things that you like are lame. But they were wrong. And time has shown that I was right. Anyway, speaking <laughs> of being right, let's get into the. Uh, we're kicking things off with AEW Rampage this week because, blow me, there was nothing to talk about with SmackDown. So, we're going to start with Rampage and talk about Danielson versus Kingston. Here is the show. Hey, so I think Daniel, Brian Danielson woke up one morning and he thought to himself, it's September. I reckon I could probably get the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Wrestler of the Year 2021 (laughs) if I try really hard enough. And he's doing a bang up job of it. I am Lou Cohen. I'm joined, sorry, D-A-D. I'm joined by Tempo T Wrestler. Welcome to the AEW Rampage slash wwe smackdown review we are going to kick things off today talking about uh rampage because not a whole lot to talk about on the old smackdown so tempest it's time for the rampage events here the uh the rampage up now we can talk about rampage and as uh you and pete would often say uh they started with the main events of the show they did Um, which they didn't do last week they actually had yeah. the main events in the main events, but you know they thought that was weird. We need to get back <laughs> to doing it the way we usually do it. But the main events in the opening match, it was Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston, a semi-final for the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament. 
And man, what a like. So the report was from the live crowd that were there, because this was taped on Wednesday after Dynamite. The the report was that this was Danielson's best match in AEW, which means that it's better, or the you know that that live crowd that were there thought it was better than the Omega match from Grand Slam. We'll get into that in just a second, but I do want to ask you, Tempo, what did you make of this match? Brian Danielson is a king among men. This yes, man, like, I don't know how he managed to surprise me with how great he is. So obviously, I've seen Brian Danielson wrestle before. I've seen this man as Ring of Honor champion. I've seen this man have great matches in WWE. But he went to AEW, and I thought, yeah, we're probably going to see the big Brian Danielson matches in the big matches. You know, the Omega thing was was special that was a dream match it's in a stadium maybe he won't go to that length for like every match but we're like six matches into his run here and every match is fantastic he's like i can't comprehend how good he's been so far and the 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 conversation on twitter over this sort of thing has just been like this is going to be his magnum opus if he can keep this going where his last like i don't know how long he's going to be with aew but if he's able to keep a pace similar to this maybe not wrestle as often but this level of quality if he can keep this up for like a year two years this will be one of the great runs we've ever seen someone have this man is fantastic and I have uh, this. This match has only had you know a week's worth of build, but mm. they did a lot in that week to really get me stoked for this match. They they had a moment. I don't know where this was on. Maybe it was on like dark or dark elevation or something. I saw the interview on Twitter where mm. Danielson was just shouting at Kingston about how like you don't try hard enough. Like that is what you like. He was like I. This is what I live and breathe for. This and Kingston was just like Kingston just walks away, and but Dan's like you know. I hope that's the Yeti that I see next Friday at Rampage. And because AEW know that not everyone is watching everything, they kind of replayed it a little bit again, slightly differently on this week's Dynamite, where they did sort of a similar style of promo thing. But actually, Kingston got to cut a promo on Danielson this time. So this match, like, starts. Danielson comes down to the ring for his entrance. Eddie Kingston storms his way down to the ring. This dude was pissed off because of Danielson's comments in the promos. The promos actually led into the match. Wonderful stuff. You absolutely adore to see that sort of thing. And then Eddie Kingston went out of his way to kill Brian Danielson dead as much as he possibly could. And, oh my God, he kicked the the ever-loving S out of this poor kid. It was so... There were so many moments in this that I like marked down and I knew the match was going to be good because I'd already heard, you know, like the reports from the live crowd. I'd watched your review like in the lead up to doing the news today. So I already knew that I was probably going to love this match. I didn't expect to knowing that it was going to be really good to then watch and be like, wow, that actually exceeded all of my expectations. Yeah. 
I, I basically felt the same way, having heard that, oh, yeah, D Rampage is really good this week, and the match is really, really, really good. I was like, okay, let's see this. Oh, my God. Like, I can't handle that many chops in one match. Like, this poor guy. And it's happened to him more than once, where Br Brian Danielson comes back to the curtain, and his, his chest is just beat red. Oh my god. So if he wants to stop doing that every single week, I, I'd under, I'd understand. But this match was just like on another level. I don't know how to describe it even. They just reached a new level of 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 viciousness, of intensity, of like realism almost cuz it wasn't like there's different kinds of pro wrestling. Like this match is obviously very different from the main event, you know, and there's different levels of of presentation. But there was such a level of suspension of disbelief with the characters and the story that they've told with Eddie Kingston now wanting to kind of not even prove it to Danielson, but he had a chip on his shoulder going into this match for sure. And that balance of this guy and the viciousness of Brian Danielson towards the end, it was such an interesting dynamic that we haven't really seen even in the Monoro Suzuki match, which you might think that we would get the similar sort of thing there. I don't know, man. Brian Danielson is just like, I don't know if he's turning heel soon. I would wait a long time, but there was definitely some play at the end where he was getting booze. And it's just all these different things sewn together into one match that made me say like, that was the best match I've seen all week. It was so, so great. There was a moment during this where like they both men had beaten the piss out of each other. So they were both tired. And then at the exact same time, got their second wind. So they yep. both just started like, you know, doing chops, exchanging forearms and things like that. Kingston does a step up in Seguri and Danielson blocks it. And Danielson has this look on his face where it's like, you cheeky prick. You're going to try and end Seguri during a strike exchange. What are you What are you doing? That's a really stupid thing to do. Like, blocks would be like, don't do that, you idiot. And then <laughs> Kingston spins around and hits him with a spinning back fist and knocks him clean on his ass. But he cannot get into the cover because he's been like knocked loopy himself. Oh my God, I, I jumped out of my seat for that back fist it was so awesome and he goes over for the cuff he's like crawling to get over to there and danielson locks in the triangle and kingston's trying to get out of the triangle and he just gives him the finger and just and he passes out like brian Lyons was like laying elbows into his head and he's still giving him the finger and then his hand just goes a bit limp and the referee calls for the bell, and that's the end of the match. Someone pointed it out in the uh, the chat here. That's five Danielson matches with five different finishes. I that's, was just going to bring it up, yeah. That's so cool. I, it makes me so much more interested in his matches. It's another thing that you can think about when he's wrestling. Like, oh, how's he going to finish this one? Is he finally going to have to go back to one of his other moves and win with the knee strike or the cattle mutilation? or something or how many of these does he have that he can pull out of his bag of tricks because i can still think of a couple moves that he could win with but it's just another layer of his performance and this is already maybe the most multi-layered guy that they have as far as in-ring work and i love then after the match was over they had tony shivani was interviewing cm punk and you punk is talking about you know it was my birthday this past week it's halloween i love halloween and then you can hear like eddie's yelling off mike and tony being the professional that he is tries to carry on the interview with punk until it becomes too much and kingston walks in but what you can hear kingston yelling about is like did you see me tap out 
then why did you call for the bell? And it's was it Remsburg again? Because oh, he's going to be really upset with Remsburg. That's and, a great question. Because it was Remsburg last year with him and Moxley. Exactly. Oh, that's such good storytelling if he, it was him as the ref. He didn't tap out. And he then walks up to CM Punk and he's like, and he like knocks the microphone out of his hand. He's like, are you laughing at me? Are you laughing at what just happened to me out there? Uh, Punk's reaction to all of this as well. And when he walks away and Punk just goes, that was unprofessional. I did not <laughs> like that. As someone said, it was Knox in the in the comments that was the, the, the referee. Ah. So, man, like, man, Rick, Rim. you got to watch yourself there, man, because, like, look what happened to Remsburg the last time this happened. you got to watch your back. So yeah. I adored this. And what it was funny as well. So I um, I posted up the news today, and I did, you know, my review, and I throw it over to you, do the, uh, the Rampage review. And then I'm uh, part of the gimmick of doing the rest of talk news is for the first 30 minutes, you answer comments from people, right? And one of the comments really stuck out to me which is just like, man, they need to start putting CM Punk in some high-profile matches because fans are dro- like leaving Rampage in their droves. So I went into this episode thinking like, oh, what uh, what next mid-card feud is CM Punk going to be getting? No, he's having a match with Eddie Kingston? What more? How more high-profile of a match like do you want from CM Punk at this point? I want to see that match real, real bad. Yeah, I hope that's the full gear match. You know, it, if it's always weird trying to formulate what the the card is going to be for the next pay-per-view because it always seems like maybe a three weeks out from the show they'll set up a match and then deliver it on tv and then do the next one so i'm just like okay is it going to be at full gear i don't know maybe maybe not this this would probably be the most high profile match that punk would have had since his darby allen match at all out and i'm really excited to see it this is such a fun clash of styles and I really, really am looking forward to it. I want CM Punk in like really big matches like a lot of other people, but I'm also happy to see him kind of like tell his story of kind of working himself back up to that level while we have guys like Brian Danielson handling the top main event massive five-star matches. I was going to say, Punk's, the, the story that Punk is telling with his character, which I think is very, very smart, is he's a guy that's been gone for seven years and doesn't know whether or not he still is the best in the world. Look mm-hmm. at the reaction he had when he beat Bobby Fish. which was like, wow, I shouldn't have won that match. Like I, I, I was lucky that I won that match. The promo that he cut when he survived Powerhouse Hobbs. He has not got that confidence in him. So I like the fact that we're getting this story with Punk. But to go back to our main question, our main topic, our main event topic of this episode, <laughs> the live reports were this was Brian Danielson's best match in AEW, which would mean it is better than the Omega match at, at Grand Slam. Tempest, do you think this was better than Danielson versus Omega? That is so difficult <laughs> to say because the matches are so different. Because I, yeah. I, I watched the Brian Danielson-Kenny Omega match, and I said, that's the best TV match I've ever seen. It was the best match I've ever seen on a weekly TV show. Now, if I say that Eddie King, the Eddie Kingston match is better, that would mean that that's the best match that I've ever seen on TV, because that's just how it works. And I don't, I can't say that with the same conviction that I say about the Brian Danielson-Kenny Omega match. So I'm still probably going to say that I prefer that match. But that does not take anything away from this match here with Eddie Kingston. This was just unbelievable. 
it was just so so great like i i like you i don't know <laughs> like I, <laughs> I i honestly i i don't i don't think i do know and the reason why i'm unsure on this is because i i don't think i was in the right headspace when i watched um danielson omega it was the day that my kid was born so like i had a, I was, my mind was kind of preoccupied and stuff like I've, I've said this to ollie a few times that if you were to ask me what was your favorite match from grand slam i would have said darby and sting versus ftr because i just had so much fun and it really took my mind away from what was going on but having but i so i need to watch omega danielson a second time to really like get my head into it but what I can tell you is that I marked out so many times during this match, a match that I already knew the result of. I was like out of my seat in multiple, multiple times. If you haven't seen Danielson versus Kingston, go out of your way to watch it. it because for me, easily, it's the match of the week. Yeah, easily. Easily. And there were some good matches this week. There were matches yeah. I was really hyped to have seen. The latter match on Raw was great. Serena Deeb and Hikaru Shida was one of my favorite matches that I've seen. This was like, all right, well, there's the match of the week. Just so yeah. by far better than the rest of the field. I I mean, we need to get into your ultra chats and, and, and talk about, you know, this and the other. But I really need WWE fans on Twitter to get a grip. I really <laughs> do need to get I, Good luck I with that. I need the Louis Dangor hat wearing stand up for <laughs> WWE marks to get a grip, man. The people that are just like, oh man, can't believe Brian Daniel, like Daniel Bryan's really taken a step down in AEW. Like it's, he was so much better when he was wrestling Roman Reigns every single day. It was like, come on, guys. Just like you've you've stuck your flag so firmly in the ground, you picked your side that you 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 now sound stupid. Like it's okay to like both things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's Twitter for you. Good luck it's getting Twitter, Twitter to change. <laughs> <laughs>Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. 
Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This episode of the WrestleTalk podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Manscaped.com, the global brand for men's grooming and hygiene products. Keep your undertakers nice and trim with the all-in-one kit that makes manscaping easy using the Lawnmower 4.0 waterproof electronic trimmer. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package 4.0, you'll get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. Now, let's talk about these boxers briefs because boy howdy are they some comfy pants for years i've been the guy who buys comedy underwear with cartoon or video game characters because hey i'm a cool dad in my mid-30s but they aren't really that comfy and are also slightly embarrassing if you're trying to get in the mood if you catch my very unsubtle drip but not with the manscaped ones which i'm legit wearing right now because not only are they super comfy and look great they have optimal temperature control with their cropped cooling techno with their crop cooling technology the waistband is also super elastic to reduce chafing and rubbing and with sizes up to triple xl you'll know that there will be a fit for you go to manscaped.com forward slash wttv and get 20 percent off with free international shipping with the promo code wttv that's manscaped.com promo code wttv for 20 percent off and free international shipping thanks to manscaped.com for sponsoring this episode who are keeping your balls lovely Uh, into your old chats, but McCool, uh, this is a bold statement, but I stand by it. Brian Danielson is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. BWO for life. I mean, he's he is up there. He is a Mount Rushmore level guy of just like gone every gone everywhere that he's gone and has always pulled out the best. Yeah, I. See, I because I'm just a wrestling nerd, and a lot of the time I spend, you know, just my time talking, thinking about wrestling and such. I came up with like a top ten favorite wrestler of all time list, just for myself, not intending to put it anywhere or anything. But every time I watch one of these matches, I was like, uh, I feel like Brian Danielson should be a little bit higher on this list. You know, is <laughs> well, do I like him more than the next guy? Do I like him more than that? And every so often, I was like, I think I do. Like, he just keeps getting better in my mind. And that is, like, inconceivable to me at this point. Because I know how great he is, but he keeps getting better. Unbelievable. Dogs of Wrestling, I swear every match Brian has is a clinic. How does he do it? Imagine how good a match with at least a month of build like this, uh, with a week of build. What are your plans for Halloween, guys? Jam that gem, liw for life Happy Halloween. Mm-hmm. Well, you can you can hear our Halloween plans if you listen to the audio podcast version of this, where we go into complete detail about what we're doing this weekend. Uh, you have amazing matches like this because in AEW, everyone is different. 
you don't have the same match every week like you kind of do in WWE because they want you to follow the formula. Here, all the styles are different. So your match with Kenny is going to be different from your match with Dustin. It's going to be different from your match with Suzuki. It's going to be different from your match with Bobby Fish. It's going to be different from your match with Eddie Kingston. What a novel concept. Yeah, so, so good. Uh, I am, um, in short, though, if you don't listen to the audio podcast or are not a member, go and pumpkin picking tomorrow. I'm bloody excited about it. Uh, Rainsy says, first time donating. Thought the Kingston Daniel uh, Danielson match was amazing. I think it was better than the Omega match but not as good as the Suzuki match. Hmm. Interesting. interesting. That is an interesting comment, isn't it? Um, I'll tell you what, let's get into... Oh, that is so interesting. Let's get into the rest of Rampage because it's not going to take us massively long to get through the rest of it. Uh, like yeah. uh, everyone else, when they do this show, I don't have any notes for this. I just I very much enjoy watching Rampage. Uh, but we had the CM Punk promo with Kingston, and then we had Matt Seidel versus uh, Dante Martin with the Rush in his corner. Uh, this was, I, I said this in the Dynamite review, that one of the things that I love about AEW is that they make rematches make sense. You know, you look mm. at like the Hikari Shida Serena Deep match. That is a rematch from a match that had happened a couple of weeks ago that totally makes sense and should be there. And also, I now want to see a third match in that series. It's a rematch yeah. that makes sense. I would say that this is a rematch for the sake of just, you know, it, 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 I, I didn't need to see this for a third time. Having said that, a lot of fun it was. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, one of the lower rivalries on the totem pole here, as far as the booking of the show, for sure. It's not going to have the same kind of importance as like, oh, it's the third match in this series. It's not It's not going to get the same, you know, treatment as like Cody and Malachi Black, by any means. Yeah. So it doesn't have that level of importance. But I do like that they gave them a reason to go out there and have another match with Leo Rush's involvement and in kind of booking Dante Martin's matches. And then they went out and had a really fun match. I was I don't know what to expect from something like this other than high flying galore, but they they were trying new things, they were doing innovative offense. Dante Martin did some flippy herc and rana thing in the corner where he flipped himself upside down that I'd never seen before. And I was like, oh my god, this kid is just gonna be incredible in like another few years. Oh yeah. I've I've said before, if I was 12 years old right now, Dante Martin would be my favorite wrestler. He is just like, he's got the potential to be something completely different and special from anything that we've seen. I'm just going to quickly highlight a comment here. There's uh, someone who's just thanking the moderators for turning on slow mode. It was me, Austin. It was <laughs> me all along that did that. Um, but yeah, you're welcome. I, I should have put slow mode on before we'd started. Sorry about that. Sorry, moderators. I've actually made your job much harder. Um Yeah, I, I, to echo what you said, Dante Martin, what an incredibly special talent he is. Just like, an insane i i can't wait for darius to be back as well so we can get yep. top flight back as a tag team because I'm, I'm i love those two guys together but i love the fact that darius has been on the shelf but it's just allowed dante martin to shine and he has yeah. really shown to the aew fan base that he is top level talent with a in a few years time really like is going to be a name that everyone is talking about yeah, 100%. And we had the conversation about like the pillars of AEW when MJF and Darby Allen started talking about that a few weeks ago. If you want to extend the pillars to be like 
I don't know, six people. I think Dante Martin is one of them. He's one of the yeah. young guys that you build around and will be a, a TNT champion in like a year and a half, two years, and will absolutely thrive in that role because he's just that good. And um, we had our uh, Mark Henry interview thing where it's time for the main event. And you do the big old smile at the end of it. And that was between Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, stealing my gimmick, uh, taking on Abaddon in a trick-or-treat match, which was that it was a uh, no, no DQ match. And if Abaddon won, then she would get a future title shot. It was there to get Abaddon on the show because she is the spooky, scary Halloween character um, and give Britt Baker a win in the main events. There was some, you know, brutal stuff in this. The thumbtack spot at the end. We got not one, but two I am the table spots. <laughs> I, I really enjoy Abaddon. But Abaddon as well was on a 16-match winning streak going into this. Bloody hell. Mm. Like, I, and it was, it was a very fun main event. I, I did very much enjoy it. But I... I I, I kind of want I want bigger things for my Brits. Yeah, yeah, I get I get why it was on this show. Obviously, Halloween and spooky and and stuff. I'm not the biggest fan of Abaddon, just personally, just because I this isn't my style of wrestling, you know. But when I watch one of these matches every six months, it doesn't bother me by any means, you know. That's that's the point of variety. Every once in a while, you get a, you get something that you don't necessarily try every so often. And I'm just like, okay, I'll watch it. And sure enough, it was fine. I thought the finish of this match kind of sucked. But otherwise, the match itself was like really fun and everything. And then I, I decided to take it out of my edited review because I was like, oh, I could talk about it here. Because this was basically a championship contenders match. It you was. Know? Yeah. You know, but... I think that the championship contenders match is like a fine rule to have in theory, because if you beat the champion, you should get a title shot that mm-hmm. like that, that makes sense. I think the problem comes with where they act, they beat the champion all the time and then you kind of get desensitized to it. And then half the time they don't even get the title shot. So in this situation, like I saw it and went, no oh, championship contenders match. And then I watched the match and I was like, yeah, it was all right. Yeah. Well, the thing that I would say about Rampage and the thing that I enjoyed the most about this episode is that wonderful variety that, that we had here. This was a licorice all sorts of, of a oh. wrestling show. You had your <laughs> beautiful, brutal, technical street fight, just like thuggish match between Danielson and Kingston. Really like proper story driven stuff in there. You could see Kingston pulling the thug out of Danielson and bringing the thug out of him. You then had the flip de doo fun high spot stuff with Seidel and Martin. And then you had the hardcore main event with the spooky dookie character and your champion thumbtack spot at the end. I, you know, it's variety is the spice of life. I should say as well, Britt Baker won. Um, yeah. She, uh, there was lots of like no selling of her moves. I did actually, I, I did pop for when she went to, she put the lock jaw on and Abaddon <laughs> just bit her hand and yeah. she was like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the things like, okay, and you put the thumbtacks in her mouth and put the lock jaw on, you win. And then I was like, oh, I don't want to put my, my hand in that, in that woman's mouth. I wouldn't yeah. do that. It's like, oh, yeah. God. So I, I, I popped quite a, you know, a bit for it. But overall, a, a fun episode of Rampage this was. Not like the all-time great episode, but man, for that main that 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 main event, what should have been the main event of Daniel Silas, <laughs> go away. Uh, go out of your way to, to watch this. Yeah. 
Yeah, this this if the main event had just been a little bit better, I'd be like, yeah, this is a five out of five show easily. Like fantastic stuff. As as it stands, like the first two matches, I absolutely loved. I will give the show a four out of five. But man, if you watch that first that first match, you are not going to regret it. Absolutely, it is. So we now remove the rampage oh, graphic and just sad. replace it with the regular. Actually, where is the regular? Oh no, tempest is so there. long since I've done this. I can't there help you. I found it. It's okay. I've got it, everyone. Um, you know that was good. Thank, very, thank you, Ollie. Very quickly before we start the SmackDown thing, I can't use the trackpad on my laptop with this thing because it doesn't pick up my fingers or whatever. So, between hopping between the podcast intro and outro thing and this Streamlabs window, I had to take the mask part off and use my nose as to move the cursor and click on it with my nose so yeah i can't i can't help you much if you were wondering why tempest and i were late into getting into this review it's not because i let the podcast outro overrun it's because tempest can't use his laptop and i can't see i don't know how long we've been going i don't know what time it is i can't read any of the comments i can see you I have a general sense of what's happening, but I can't read any of the specifics. Well, uh, let's get into the SmackDown review. Are you ready for a good time? Um, Tempest, as as the fact checker, um, yeah. I was trying to do some research into this earlier, but I, I tried for a good, I don't know, two and a half minutes and then gave up. Might have actually been less than that. Charlotte Flair um, opened the show for a promo, and Michael Cole called her the 12-time women's yeah. champion. Yeah. Was she 12-time? Because I seem to remember she was 12-time when she won the Raw title and when they started discounting the NXT title reigns. Uh-huh. I thought that was the 12th title reign. So... In theory, is, is that am I right on that, or am I wrong? I, I think you're right about that. I don't know if they're counting the title switch as a new reign this time, because they did with the tag titles, but that's where the twelve time thing gets fuzzy with me. Because I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh, thirteen times with this title switch with the SmackDown tag uh, SmackDown Women's Championship." But I don't know if WWE in their canon is counting that as a new reign or not. And that's where I think the confusion is coming from. It's making Wikipedia a very messy place. Because Could have like, just not by... done a title switch! <sighs> going by Wikipedia, like she's on 15 at this yeah. point because she's got six Raw titles, six SmackDown titles, because this is... This is a new reign now. She is no longer the Raw Women's Champion. She is now the SmackDown Women's Champion. So she has lost that title and has gained a new title. So she has got another reign to add on to it, even though she didn't lose any belts. And so that's six for Raw, six for SmackDown, two for NXT, and one for the Divas. So she is a 15-time champion. But I guess that, that, yeah, I think you're right. Like Either they are counting it as a new reign and have discounted the Divas title, or... Mm it's still the same reign of the raw one. She's now just got a blue belt instead. Imagine doing this on purpose. <laughs> this is what they wanted to do. I I think it's also possible. I've, I've wondered about this every so often that 
maybe, maybe they might consider like the Divas Championship reign and her first Raw Women's Championship reign to be the same thing because she did carry that belt into WrestleMania and then just That's won true. the new title and it just kind of continued on lineage wise i don't know if that's the case that's just me spitballing but yeah sort it out for goodness sake so apparently on twitter they said that it is a new title reign so uh moderator chris said uh remember chris has just said here apparently wwe is including the title swap as an additional title reign and annika mm. wilson says on twitter they said they are counting it then i have but, no idea i have no, <laughs> no idea, idea what's anyway. up. <laughs> Anyway, she's a 12-time champion in this current storyline. That's all that really matters. And then out comes Sasha Banks. And I was all ready to write in my notes, man, am I, I'm already bored of this feud. And I, I'm ready for I'm ready for Charlotte Flex. I, read, I, I want this crystal clear because a lot of people were calling me out for this in the comments today, saying that I've never liked Charlotte Flair. I have always liked Charlotte Flair. I've said on every single one of these podcasts, she's really, really good. It's just WWE don't really know how to book her that I, I, I would say because they've made her incredibly unlikable through no fault of her own. And I, I want to see her face some, some fresh matchups. I want to see some new things. One of the things that excites me about SmackDown post-draft, and I do genuinely believe this, I think SmackDown's got the much more interesting roster post-draft because they've got way more new and fresh faces. That feels like there's more opportunities for new and fresh matchups, which is why it was frustrating for me that we have got Banks and Flair, The Usos and New Day, and Baron Corbin, Shinsuke Nakamura again. Yep. 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 So that's why I find that's why I found it so frustrating. So when Shotzi Blackcut, sorry, when Shotzi came out, I was like, "Good, lovely, some new fresh faces. This is really, really great. I, I, I want to have this. I would much rather this feud with Flair than a Banks Flair again." Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I've been saying every week since the draft that the the SmackDown roster doesn't excite me because I fully expect them to just go right back to Charlotte and Sasha Banks. New Day and the Usos, Shunsuke Nakamura and, and Baron Corbin, etc., etc. And I don't know how many new matchups we're actually going to get. So when they do this whole segment, and the focus seems to actually be getting Shotzi over as a new star, I was like, hey, that's cool. I like that. I like... She doesn't have to win. I don't think she needed to beat Charlotte by any means. But the presentation here built her up as a new star, a new person of interest on this show. And that is something that we absolutely need when we've decided to just beat Tony Storm in two minutes, like two weeks ago. Yeah, poor Tony Storm. But like, yeah, like SmackDown was in desperate need of some new faces and actual like to make people feel special and feel important and feel like title contenders because they've done their darndest to make sure that no one did. So it was very important, I think, to give Shotzi this match. And Shotzi did feel really good coming out of this match. Like she looked really good against Flair. It's a shame that the finish was so stupid yep. because Banks got up on the apron for no reason other than w this is wwe's way of quote unquote protecting people in a finish but it actually ends up just making a lot of people look a little bit stupid right so banks gets up on the apron for no reason whatsoever and that gives and that allows charlotte to hit natural selection and get the win silly silly ending right and then shotzi beats up banks after the match and i just thought like i remember i was like good you're well within your rights to do that i completely agree with what you did banks cost you that match because she's an idiot she's an absolute tool and then apparently this is a heel turn how was this a heel turn 
Uh, I don't know. She 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 beat up a person. You can't do that. That's not that's not babyface behavior. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get their whole babyface heel dynamic in WWE very much because I mean, Sa- uh, Shotzi came out and Sasha and Charlotte were like, ha, ha, "Look at this loser." They were like mean girling her together, together. They were both like, "Ha ha, look at this chick with the tank and the green hair. What a nerd." And then she was on her side at ringside for some reason, despite never interacting with her. Cost of the match that gets turned on. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I want to focus on the positives. I want to be positive Tempest today. That I like this match, and I like that they're establishing a new star. I just wish that the friggin' finish wasn't so stupid. Just have yeah, simple yeah. finishes. It's like my favorite thing about AEW that almost all the finishes, except for that main event, which is, I guess, a bad example. But the finishes are are often very good. And that, to me, is the most important part of the match. You fix the finish of this match, I like it ten times more. Yeah, I, I thought the match was real good, actually. I really enjoyed this match. I, it was important to get Shotzi in this position. I don't think you need to turn her heel, though. I think she was quite doing pretty well as a, as a babyface, and she's got so much babyface fire behind her. But I am way more into the idea of Shotzi versus Banks than I am Banks versus Flair. So this, Agreed. for me, is a thumbs-up segment. Um Kayla interviewed Jeff Hardy. Uh, Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss came in and made some jokes. Adam Pierce from his house has fined Brock Lesnar one million dollars. Austin Powers reference. Ooh. And that's grand and everything. But I did actually bring this up in my review. What was great about this is you then cut to Paul Heyman watching this announcement. And Kayla Braxton sneaks up on Paul Heyman to interview him about this. And he kind of he does the promo for roman reigns but she doesn't want to hear his promo for roman reigns she wants to know what the advocate for brock lesnar would think about this if you were perhaps and he goes into full advocate for brock lesnar promo and he really (laughs) starts to get into advocate for brock lesnar promo then he catches himself being the advocate for Brock Lesnar promo and is like, uh-oh, I'm supposed to be the advocate for Roman Reigns. So then like stops himself and then continues his Roman Reigns thing. It was so good. Paul Heyman is just like an, an otherworldly performer in WWE when it comes to his promos, what he does at ringside, he makes every segment that he's in so much better. And his interaction with Kayla since the start of this whole rivalry have just been one of the highlights of SmackDown. And it's only in like two-minute bites at a time. But it helps make this show so much better. And I really do appreciate Paul Heyman in that respect. Because I remember back in the day where he really wanted to like elevate Renee Young and make it so she was getting the kind of reps that she needed to get better. And she was already great by, you know, by most standards. But he really took her under his wing. And I can kind of see that happening again with Kayla Braxton. I don't know if he has a lot of like mentor protege kind of relationship besides this, but the segments that they're in make her look so much better as well. And I can really appreciate Paul Heyman doing that. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed this. And I also actually really appreciate what SmackDown are doing here with Drew McIntyre, because clearly what they want to do is Drew versus Roman, but Drew is coming off the back of losing to Big E for the WWE Championship. So, I mean, it's WWE. They could have just put him into the Roman Reigns feud uh, because wins and losses don't really matter in this company. But I 100% appreciate the fact that they're just having Drew coming out here, issuing an open challenge, having a heel come out, and Drew beats them. 
and because that gives Drew some wins. It gives him some momentum. It gives him some clout to challenge Roman for the Blue Universal Championship when that moment comes. And yeah, I, I think that's a really, really good thing. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. I think, I mean, it's it seems very bare minimum to be like, hey, they're having the guy they want to push win. That's cool. That's out of the ordinary. But yeah. I mean, I, yeah, good. It's good. They're doing the right thing. I just, it seems like a low bar for praise. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I do like it. I do like what they've got going on with Drew. I've seen a lot of people kind of turning on Drew the last few months. They're a little bit tired of the, the story time type promos very and whatever. Bad. He needs to cut that out for sure. But having him win matches against very talented guys is a surefire way to get him back where he needs to be. That being said, I would have liked this match to be a little bit longer. Um, Ali cut a promo afterwards saying that the reason why people boo him is because of his name. So do you reckon we're getting a bit of a gimmick change here for Ali? I don't know. I saw this and I went, ooh, I don't trust WWE to write this story well. You know, because I mean, depend. I don't know. I don't know how you make this storyline work in 2021 without people just kind of being a little bit upset by it. You know, and even still, if he's a heel, being like, you guys are discriminating against me. Boo! I don't really get that dynamic very much. Because I like Ali a lot. And I would rather Ali just be a babyface who's awesome and wins great matches and is a great wrestler. But instead, this is the direction we're going. Uh, we had a video package for Zaya Lee. She is coming soon. We also had New Day meeting Hit Row backstage, and Hit Row sung for a uh, King Woods. So they're baby faces on the blue brand. Good to establish that. However, what that means is then New Day came out for their promo, and Woods knights Kofi Kingston and makes him the hand to the king. It's a Game of Thrones thing. I now know that because I've seen the show. And the Usos come out to cut a promo on them. And what I was kind of hoping for, I was hoping it was going to be Hit Row because I would love to see New Day feud with them. And I think there's some really interesting stories you could have told there, particularly following on from this backstage segment where you had them sort of endorsing them, then come out and beat them up and be like, we don't actually acknowledge you as a king. What are you talking about? We're Hit Row. We're the people. If you don't know, now you know. There could have been something really good there. But what we do is we're just running back New Day the Usos. And I know we're going to get to New Day Hit Row. I know that's coming. It's got, It's going to have to come down the line. They haven't got enough tag teams. It's going to have to come down the line. But at the expense of the Usos New Day, this should feel special. This yeah. should feel like a real ship's passing in the night. When will they have that clash? They haven't had them. Oh, my God. When was the last time these two had a match? It was ages ago, right? They, you know, the all, One of the all-time great tag team feuds of the last 10 years. And it's just being made to feel like it's a standard tag feud. And I think that's a real shame. Yeah, I agree. I definitely thought that they could have done something where like the New Day arrives on SmackDown and they they beat the other tag teams. I know we don't have a ton of them, but you know, they beat Carrillo and, and Angel Garza. That maybe they beat Hit Row one time, they beat whoever, whoever, and they kind of work their way up the ladder. And then eventually they're like, You and me, guys. It's the Usos and us again. We're destined to do this forever. And we know that we can pull out the best tag team matches that this company can offer. And now you and I are going to go two on two at the pay-per-view and we're going to tear the house down again. I think that would have been a much better and easier way to go than just like, no, it's the main event of SmackDown. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, 
But you know, a, a fun segment nonetheless, I guess. Because yeah. I enjoyed that way more than I enjoyed what came next. Eleven matches since May. Like I wrote in my no- I wrote my news today, right? I was writing my review of SmackDown. And I went back through cage match and I, I was just seeing like, well, how many times have Shinsuke Nakamura and Baron Corbin had matches this year? And I wrote in my notes, 11 matches since the start of the year. I had actually miscounted there because I thought that Nakamura was part of a match that Baron Corbin had in January. And I was wrong. I'd actually misread that, which means that they had their first match together in May. It was five months ago. So I, I write in my original script, 11 times this year. That's basically one a month. I was wrong. It's 11 times in five months. 11 matches in five months. How the fuck do you book this? How does this happen on a TV show? How do you do this? You can't do this by accident. This is on purpose. I honestly, 11 matches in five months. It's, it's gotta be a rip at this point, right? Who books 11 matches? Honestly. (laughs) Honestly. Yeah, man, I don't have an answer for you. This is like booking malpractice. If someone, if I was in that writing room and someone brought up, oh, let's do, let's just do Nakamura and and Corbin again. I'd throw a cupcake at them. (laughs) I would. Oh my God. I don't understand the stranglehold that Baron Corbin has over these people. You know, and it's not just his fault because they do this with everyone. But for God's sake, could we not have just gotten bum ass Baron Corbin fun segments forever? Why did we have to put him back in the ring with a stupid ass partner having stupid ass matches that I've seen already? Oh my God. I, I don't get it. Did, I don't get it. I did not like this one bit. I did not like this, Sam. I am. <laughs> I I had zero fun with this. The crowd had zero fun with this. They were all sat on their hands, just watching in absolute silence as these guys were falling around themselves. They hit each other with pumpkins and other sort of plunder. Hated every single thing about this. Um, apologies for the swear, everyone. And uh, and then pff, uh, and then one of them won. Who won? The bad guys won because the bad uh, guys so, won because of Carrillo and Angel Garza of all people. But, but surely, so Tempest, surely that means it's the end, right? Surely that means that this feud is now over. That no, the best of, of 11 series is now over. I I doubt it. I doubt it. We'll see this match again within two or three weeks. I don't know what the point of all this was. I don't know why Carrillo and Garza were the ones to beat them up. Like, who's which of them two is going to go for the Intercontinental title out of this? I don't think that's even the direction. So why'd you do it? Uh, no, because oh. they're, well, they're, they're a tech team. Nakamura and Boogs are a tech team. Oh, oh, they're going to have a sure, tech team feud with them. I don't like it. Oh, right, I'm just going to quickly, obviously I've already searched for it, Baron Corbin. I just suddenly realized there, if it's a best of 11 series, that means there was an eventual winner. Mm-hmm. I, so, guess, I guess by this logic, it was Corbin because they won this one. Well, I don't know, but let's see who won the most matches out of it. So, Corbin won uh, then Nakamura won. Uh-huh. Then Corbin won. Then Nakamura won. Then Nakamura won. Then Nakamura won. So we're at five to two. Sorry, we're at four to two currently. Then uh, do 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 do. Then Nakamura won. Then Corbin won. Then Corbin won. 
Yeah. Okay. So I can't Nakamura, believe no one's getting over. Nakamura won the feud, everyone. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, yeah, I suppose you could say Baron Corbin got the final laugh, but at the end of the day, the numbers don't lie. Nakamura won that feud. <sighs> I Worth think we, I don't think anyone won. I think we all just lost. <laughs> um uh, we we had a very strange segment here where Megan interviews Sonya Deville, then Sami Zayn walks up and they just cut they just away cut. partway through, <laughs> cut away part, part way through and talking. Very we were running low on time. Um so, never mind that. Here comes Mongo, here comes Naomi and Shayna Baszler. But Sonya Deville comes out to say that the referee that was supposed to officiate this match um is injured because he was attacked by Brock Lesnar last week. So Sonya Deville is going to be the referee. I very much enjoyed this. I I quite like this story. I like Sonya Deville being this, you know, let's be honest here, heel authority figure. But I didn't mind this. I, I had a bit, a bit of a kicker. I got a kick out of this segment. I can appreciate that they are doing different ways of screwing Naomi around in, in this storyline. You know, it's not the exact same thing every single week. That being said, how long has this been going on now? It's like months and months and months of Naomi just getting absolutely S-word on. And I know I know I'm gonna say that, and people are gonna be like, I thought you want long-term storytelling. Yes, but I think there's also a way to not absolutely kill your baby face every single time like this. I feel like we should have gotten, if this is a match, if this whole storyline is condensed down into a match, you need a hope spot. It can't just be five straight minutes of heat. Like you need to give the baby face some life every once in a while. And I need them to give Naomi something, something. What? Like we got a little bit of that when she like back, Sonya Deville up into the corner backstage or whatever like a month ago but that's as close as we've come I need a little bit more I need that fire I need something because otherwise my god poor Naomi like why did they even put her on Smackdown I don't get it I don't well, get you know, it and I, I want that explained to me I uh, I will give you the positive here I laughed when the shirt fits you know, when they're like, when they, as uh, Smith was like, yeah. oh, is the referee shirt down there? Oh, I put it on. And it was a perfect fit for perfect her. Perfect fit. I laughed. I yeah. It was very funny. Naomi um, fell down. It was sad. I, I was and sad. Then, it was sad. And then in our main event, we got the New Day versus the Usos. Of course, it was good. Yeah. Um, because it was good, it was New Day versus the Usos. And crucially here, the New Day won. But Tempest, I know what you're thinking. Our opening contest was Shotzi Blackheart versus Charlotte Flair. And that was a championship contenders match. This, however, was not a championship contenders match. Of course not. So does this mean that the New Day are now in line for a tag title shot against the Usos? And if so, does that mean that the way to get a shot at the championships is to not win a championship contenders match. Because if you do, you don't get a title shot out of it. You're breaking my brain here, Luke. You're breaking me. You're absolutely breaking me. Uh, yeah, sure. That that makes as little sense as everything else that I've seen with championship contenders matches. So, sure, let's let's go with that. 
I think I figured it out. I've been trying to work it out since they first announced it. There was a moment when someone won one of these championship contenders matches and uh, Jimmy Smith's on uh, Raw commentary was like, man, I think that might put him in a conversation for a title match. I was like, surely you should just give him a title match. Wasn't that the point of all this? And then Tegan and Shotzi won like three of them and got nothing out of it. So yeah, I'm yeah. starting to think that the way to get title shots is to not win one of these matches. Like if you have yeah. that stipulation, if you have that stipulation, you can't get a title match at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. It doesn't make any sense. I think they said something similar on last week's SmackDown too. I don't remember who it was because I, I cleanse my mind of these shows as soon as we're done with the review. I'll be perfectly honest. But someone had just beaten the, the champion or they were wrestling a champion and they're like, oh, if they win this match, they might be in line for a title match. I was like, you don't say... Beating the champion would increase your spot on the card. I can't. Oh, unbelievable. Inconceivable. Oh, can't, can't imagine such a thing to take place. Unbelievable. Anyway, Sweet. I gave the show three out of five. Perfectly fine, solid episode of SmackDown. Nothing yeah. outwardly bad outside of uh, King Corbin. No, it's not King Corbin. Baron Corbin and Nakamura having Happy their Corbin. 11th match. Whatever, I don't care. Apart from those, <laughs> apart from those like dweebs, this was a perfectly fine episode of SmackDown. I'm just, I, I, I'm disappointed in the show because I think that they have more opportunities to be a much more exciting and dynamic show, and they are not Definitely. taking those opportunities. That is where my disappointment lays. What about you? I basically feel pretty much the same. I was like, where the hell is Roman Reigns on this show? We never really got an explanation why he wasn't on the show. And, I mean, if your best character isn't on the show, it's going to take it down a peg. If he was on the show, I think this could have been a really good episode of SmackDown. I I noticed this week when Finn Balor tweeted out. He tweeted out, like, two pictures that were, like, 16 Raw graphics of just him against, like, you know, the whole Raw roster, basically. Him against Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton, Riddle, Big E, etc. Damian Priest, AJ Styles, like, just the whole roster. And I really thought to myself, like, they could put on an incredible wrestling show every single week with unique matches, booked like the same way that AEW does with very limited rematches and good finishes, but they choose not to. Like the variety is there for them to put on a variety of different matches, but instead we get Shinsuke Nakamura and Baron Corbin for the 11th time. And I just like, I don't get it. I don't get that choice. And it, it, that to me is where the disappointment in these shows come from. Because when I think about it, I'm like, this show could be really, really good. And every so often they do the Madison Square Garden show and let Seth Rollins and Ed Russell for 20 minutes. And it's really, really good. But there's no reason you couldn't do that every week. Uh, put this up on the community poll. 58% of you thought the show was smack bang in the middle with 17% saying it was a two out of five smack downer. Uh, interesting there, 10% both for four out of five and one out of five. But that is very heavily weighted there to three out of five and two out of five. So yeah, people thinking that was in sort of the bottom half of uh, uh, a SmackDown show, which I think is totally fair. Last point I'm going to make before we get into the rest of your ultra chats. I was trying to think like why I thought that, you know, SmackDown was the more interesting roster, right? Mm. And I was, I was thinking about this and a, a, it's because they got way more NXT call-ups, which means there's way more opportunities for new fresh uh, matchups, right? The other side of it is, and I went through and I checked, there were seven trades in this Raw to SmackDown thing that were the same as last year, but the other way around. 
So these yeah. seven groups or seven people, some of them are tag teams, were an act on Raw that got tra- transferred over to SmackDown at the same time and then have been transferred from SmackDown back to Raw, which is why it feels like we're just getting the same matches because yeah. Seth Rollins, Bianca Belair, Ray and Dominic Mysterio, the Street Profits, Kevin Owens, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode, and Apollo Crews, by extension Dabba Kato, were all on Raw in the early part of 2020 were then drafted to SmackDown and have just been drafted back to Raw, which is why everything feels like it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it like that explicitly, but that's absolutely correct. And yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I don't think the draft was very good this year. I'll be honest. <laughs> Last call for your ultra chat. Ding, ding, ding. WrestleTalk.com forward slash support. We'll read out every single one of them above five US dollars. Don't want your Canadian or Australian ones. Uh, Brian Moore says, sucks Pete isn't here considering the Rampage main event was essentially a championship contenders match. Kingston match was great, but I wouldn't put it above Omega or Suzuki. Love the costume, Tempest. Personally, I grew up in the Dino Thunder SPD era. We were talking about that on the podcast that uh, Membergs and audio listeners will enjoy, which is that Tempest is dressed up as my Power Rangers that I grew up with in the 90s, where like, Tempest wasn't born when that uh, <laughs> era of Power Rangers was on. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I caught the last end of the 90s. I'm still a 90s baby, technically. And on a mouse says, honestly, it's like Brian told all of his opponents in AEW, make me look like I just faced Walter. On that note, I really want to see Brian versus Walter. Uh, Ket said, I've come to the conclusion that if Brian's chest at the end of the match is as red as licorice as the licorice hell in a cell, the match is great. That match rules. (laughs) (laughs) Edwin Figueroa says, Danielson versus Kingston was amazing on so many levels. It's my favorite match with storytelling this month. King is my favorite after all. However, Deeb versus Shida was a better straight wrestling match. Loved Excuse me. Love their work on Dynamite. Yes, that was also better than Omega. Wow. Wow, those are bold, bold claims. I love all these matches. And getting to debate which of these is the best is just so fun. It makes me feel so warm and, and, so and warm, cozy talking about wrestling again. The Guilty Hat said, I wasn't going to comment on SmackDown, but hearing Ali cut a foreign heel promo makes me really sad. He seemed to be excited to working a story with Mansoor where their nationality had nothing to do with it. Maybe he's happy, but I just feel bad for him. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is one of the things where I'm just going to let it, I'm going to let it play out. I'm going to see see where it goes next, because I hope it's not. Dogs of Wrestling, in regards to Charlotte versus Shotzi, as SRS says, good wrestlers can just beat other good wrestlers. Still like the match. 100% Dogs of Wrestling. Yep. And like, SRS is absolutely bang on the banana there. Charlotte could have just beaten her, and it wouldn't have hurt her in any... She was just the better wrestler on that day. It didn't need Banks being out there, being a tool. That's so yeah. frustrating. Uh, they continue... Still like the match. I hope Sasha and Shotzi have a match next week. Paul Heyman's segments are still the best. Jam that jam. L-I-W for life. I've got some more Rampage chats in. Aaron Smith said, G'day lads. On the AEW review, you and Ollie were saying Hangman shouldn't win the title at full gear. Correction. Ollie was saying the Hangman shouldn't win the title at full gear. <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
Someone on YouTube had a My Way fan promo, which has me so hyped for that Hangman win now. I definitely recommend if you're still on the fence, jam that jam. Well, Aaron, I mean, I, yeah, I went into that show being like 100% he should be winning the title at full gear. I'm so on the train. And then Ollie made a very compelling argument and it made me go, oh, maybe I do want this to be extended out. I just don't know. Is where yeah. I, all I know is here's what, here's what I'll say. In my heart, I want Hangman to win. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't win, I'll be so disappointed, but I'll be so, it will make me want to see him win the belt more. Yeah. Which is the sign of a really good baby face and an emotional story that I am invested in. Yeah, it, it to me, it's that, and it's also faith in the promotion. You know, because I remember many a times with Daniel Bryan in particular, where he would lose the championship match in like 2013, 2014, and you didn't know that he was going to get the win at the end because the original plan was that he wasn't going to. But now, because I have so much goodwill built up with AEW, if Hangman Page doesn't win here, I'd be like, he's going to win down the line, at least. I still have faith that that's going to happen. But it will be interesting because to me, without getting into the whole song and dance out of it, I think that he was going to face Kenny Omega at All Out and lose and then go on to beat him at like, revolution or something but because of him getting pulled out of the match i think that big 10-man tag kind of became the first failure spot for him instead of challenging for the title and losing so that kind of took the place of it i will be very interested to see if he manages to win this match or if they do extend it because i also don't really know i'd probably have him win but i could be going i could go either way uh, Matthew Robinson says, this may be the best Rampage with the opening and ending matches being so good. I think this is Brian's best match so far. Also, SmackDown with uh, no Roman is no good. I did love the last match on Rampage, especially the turning of Britt Baker's finisher around and biting her was perfect. Dan, Brian, Danielson, Chops, OMG, how does he recover? <laughs> I'll tell you how he recovers, being a vegan. Uh, <laughs> they give you magical powers. Scott Pilgrim told us this. Um Colin Killick says, loved the Boston AEW show. Incredible variety of matches. My girlfriend's first wrestling show, and she loved it. Mark Dow for Abaddon is a horror fan, and for Nyla on the pre-show, because she's so excited to see another trans-native American performing. Well, that's really cool. I'm glad that you enjoyed mm-hmm. uh, Sunday. I cannot wait. Um, it's probably going to be next year. I cannot wait to see an AEW show live. I'm so, so stoked for that. So much uh, fun. Tyron Kidd, I hear what Luke is saying with the story of punk but he's starting to intertwine with Brian Danielson opponents. Is this the beginning of their program? Tempest, you're not the original Blue Ranger without the glasses. I don't know how you could breathe in it. L-I-W-4 for life. Very difficult. Very difficult. Not <laughs> easy, yeah, I, will, I will say I've managed to make it through so far, but I'm ready to take this thing off. And I will as soon as we're done. Yeah, I, I said this on the audio podcast version that uh, Memberg's will get to hear if you are watching this on the video. Is that Tempest sounds like a teacher from Peanuts? Basically, this SmackDown review has just been him going. And I responded, yes, ma'am. Uh, Dylan Diaz, welcome back, Luke. Uh, uh, congrats on the baby and coming back. Blue Tempest, is it hot in there? Also, what are your thoughts on the Ring of Honor situation? Um, uh, also, fellas, what. Uh, also, fellas, what would you do with Ring of Honor if AEW attained it and not WWE? Have a good day. Well, Dylan Diaz, I won't uh, comment on this because I just did a whole podcast about this yesterday with SP3 and Chris Van Vliet. You can go watch in the archives. So, uh, Tempo, I'll hand over to you. Uh, what do you make of the Ring of Honor situation? 
Yeah, I won't I won't go into like a huge song and dance about this, but it is very like sad, very disappointing because there was a, a time where Ring of Honor was my favorite promotion and I was really into seeing them and and all their big stars, Davey Richards, Eddie Edwards, Kevin Steen, Al Generico, et cetera, et cetera. Like I go way back with Ring of Honor. It was kind of my first introduction to like proper wrestling because I wasn't getting it from WWE and I certainly wasn't getting it from TNA at the time, but it's just sad. You know, I don't like seeing any promotion go under and people be out of work. Like, I think that to me is like the biggest thing is that that so many people that are really talented, like really good people are now out of work. And I don't necessarily feel as I feel bad for all of them, but I don't feel as bad for like the top level people like the Banditos, Brody King, Jay Lethal, Jonathan Gresham, because they'll be able to find work like really easily. It's like the up and coming crop of Ring of Honor talent that we're starting to learn and get more experience that now like I don't know if it's going to be as easy for like Moses and Khan and Tony Deppin and guys like that to be able to find work as easily. And that to me is like a huge bummer. It is. And I I don't know what I would do if I were to try and acquire Ring of Honor or anything like that. That's like a huge line of thinking to try and go down. But ultimately, I just want there to be more places for wrestlers to work. And we lost one of those this week. So that's sad. That is sad. Uh, Broke Guy said, wanted to thank you, Luke, for doing that cameo for my little brother. Uh, Too long, don't read. Brother was hit by a drunk driver and lost his leg. And it meant the world to him. Jam that jam. Uh, Both AEW shows were great this week. WWE uh, was its usual. Meh. Thank you so much, Broke Guy. Thank you. I mean, A, thank you for booking me on cameos. Always lovely to do so. Uh, But yeah, like it's absolutely my pleasure to to do that. I'm so sorry to hear about your brother as well. Like that's really awful. Um, I mean, you didn't tell me that when in the the cameo. Um, So maybe like that's what I was a bit more smiley. I'd probably been well sir. <laughs> um, no, you're absolutely welcome. Um, uh, anytime, reach out if you need anything. Uh, Keith Lloyd said, TK overpays for work rates. Danielson and Punk have been on almost every show since debuting, while Vince McMahon overpays for part-timers who show up for three weeks and are then gone. TK is getting his money worth. Uh, Punk Rock Show 84. Hola, hola, señoras. Uh, WWE would be able to control more of their budget if they were focused less on CGI animations that display before the wrestlers walk down the ramp. Maybe WWE would actually be able to pay someone, uh, pay everyone they hire. Yes, love you guys. I said this to Tempest on a previous podcast and it made him very sad. Those AR things are the reason why we don't have cool Titantrons anymore. Yeah, it's really, really depressing when you put it that way. Yeah. Yep. There's only one good one. <laughs> The legit underboss. WWE, you can count on two things. The baby faces will be stupid and the heels will make factual arguments that are true. Also, is trick-or-treating a big thing in your countries? If so, one of the worst things you've ever got. I got loose cough drops and a banana once. Um, I uh, I spoke with SP3 on the uh, podcast yesterday. Trick-or-treating wasn't really a thing here in the UK when I was growing up in the 90s. If I, I actually never went trick-or-treating because if you did, you would just find two houses that actually had people giving out sweets in sort of like an hour and a half, two hour, like walking around the neighborhood and stuff. So it wasn't really a big thing. Uh, certainly not where I was living anyway. Um, it is a bit more now, which is exciting for me because I'll be able to take my kid out trick-or-treating mm-hmm. at some point. Um, yeah. So I've actually never gotten anything from trick-or-treating. Oh, well, that's sad. That's sad. Trick-or-treating is, of course, very big over here in Canada. Uh, and oh, I, I, I never really got a ton of bad sweets but there was like one house that i went up to where they'd run out of candy and they were handing out marbles 
And I was like, oh, that's cool. I was like, all right, I can't eat this, but I'll take one, I guess. That's the only one that really comes to mind for me. Marbles is very weird. Um, Aiden <laughs> Carter, our last one here, said, this episode of SmackDown was something that I would argue is worse than being bad. It was boring. I was so bored with it that I cut off during the Corbin match and played Guardians of the Galaxy until Rampage began. That game came out. I forgot that game came out. I uh, I actually think Peyton's uh, right there. I think being boring is worse than being bad. Um, yeah. But yeah, like maybe they're right because I, I did say, you know, there was nothing outrightly bad on this show. But maybe the fact that I w- I got literally nothing out of it, so maybe that is worse. <laughs> yeah, it's entirely possible. Before you yeah, oh, uh, yeah. start to sign off, uh, we do have uh, shout-outs to give you to are- this absolutely right tempest good job you're here i actually forgot about that hold on you very special shout outs you do right okay i've got them here i'm now ready uh so uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash rust talk to become one of our awesome pledge hammers of patreon uh where today because it's the first chance I've had to actually edit the podcast, you're going to get Mine and Ollie's review of Bound for Glory 2007, which doesn't just feature the reverse battle royal, doesn't just feature Pac-Man Jones, it features me and Ollie going through my forum posts from 2007, giving my live <laughs> thoughts on the show. It's quite embarrassing. Uh, so, we aren't just shouting out our $25 backers, we're also shouting out our awesome moderating team, which includes Woo! Amanda! Yeah! I gotta get in real close. Andy! Brandon! Chris P! Yeah! Chris R! Yeah! What does this one say? Gregory! Yeah! Jack! Yeah! John! Yeah! Les! Yeah! Uh, Ned! Paul! Yeah, Richard and Rob. Thank you to our moderators and thank you to these Patreon pledge hammers. That's some good karma, good dharma. Yeah, of course I got the longest one possible. You'll never get this name right, you idiots. Matthew Zemjuski, Ari and Shifra. The booze awaits. Halloween Havoc Central. Daylight Robbery, Rob James. General Jimmy G. And lastly for this Hall of Fame class, on October 30th, 2021, Starbucks, Stephen Costa. Halloween tomorrow, Tempest. What have you got planned for yourself? Uh, well, I, I'm basically doing what I do every Saturday, and that's just kind of like hang out with a couple of friends, but we're going to do it in costume. Not this costume, mind you, because I, I don't know. I've, I've, I've used this one enough, and honestly, I can't use my phone at all when I've got this thing on, which just like if you're just hanging out, 
you know, I want to be able to use my phone and actually see and interact with people. So I will be wearing probably my Nightwing outfit that I wore on the NXT podcast. But otherwise, that's kind of it for Saturday. For Sunday, actual Halloween, I'm uh, going out to a friend's place that we're gonna get we're gonna get drinks and carve pumpkins and and catch up and whatnot. I don't think I've seen her in uh, uh, maybe four or five months or so, and we have a lot to catch up on just with work and life and and such. So it's gonna be a lovely time. That does sound like a lovely time. I, I am also going pumpkin picking tomorrow. It was meant to be today. I was actually meant to be there right now, but I forgot that I'd agreed to do this because I told you I would do this like the week before my paternity leave where I was a bit all like brain addled. And now I, and then I got back and I was like, I booked pumpkin picking tickets to go like with my friends and stuff. And then Ollie was like, oh yeah, by the way, Saturday the 30th, you are working. You're doing the news and the SmackDown review. And I was like, balls. That's uh that's a problem. So thankfully, uh, my friend has managed to get our tickets moved to tomorrow. So that is mm. good. So we're gonna go tomorrow instead. We're gonna take our kids, and they their kids are now like 15, excuse me, 15, 16 months. So they're like walking and stuff, so it's very adorable. Um, and then we're gonna come back, carve some pumpkins, watch a kid-friendly spooky film. Mm. Um, and then they're going to put off back home and do whatever kid stuff does. And then I'll, we'll just probably go to bed because that's pretty much what my life is now. Uh, and I'm, <laughs> but I'm super excited about it. My wife today went to our local supermarket to go get some sweets and stuff to hand out to the kids for trick or treating. It's our first Halloween in our new, like uh, where we've moved to. So we're very, very excited to be part of this community. And I'm just, I, I, I bloody love Halloween. It's so mm. much fun. I was talking with SP3 about this on yesterday's show. Here in the UK, like during the 90s, Halloween wasn't really a thing. Like it was it was a thing. You would mm. get dressed up, but you didn't go like no one went trick or treating. That was just, that was something the Americans did when you would wow. watch it on American films. But no one actually did trick or treating here. You would probably if you went around and knocked on houses, you would probably find, I don't know, one in an hour and a half that might actually have some sweets to give you. So, but now we're very much an Americanized place. So now Halloween is a big thing and everyone does go all out with the decorations and stuff. And that's way better this way. <laughs> yeah, that's a, obviously trick-or-treating is a lot of fun. I was, I was very fortunate that I was able to, I think I cracked the code of how to get like the optimized amount of sweets when I was a kid going trick-or-treating. And I tried to teach this to my sister, but it, she just, it, the lesson never took. Where if you go out for two trips around the neighborhood with your little bag, the first one, you go to the big main street and you go down and you hit all the big houses that have the cool decorations and, and everything like that. And you do that, then you go back and you unload. But then if you go out a second time, you don't go back to that main street because the second time you go out, everyone's going to be out of candy. Everyone's going to be out. They're going to put their little signs out front to say, sorry, all out whatever because that's where everyone's going now you hit the little side streets and these are the people that get maybe like 10 10 kids in a whole night so if you go at like nine o'clock or so they'll just be like ah here you go dump the whole bowl into your bag and -hmm. you just end up with so much candy oh it was amazing oh to be nine years old again 
Well, unfortunately, we have to get and draw this to a close because I've just realized it's now two minutes past three, so we're late to be doing oh. the, uh, the SmackDown review. Whoops. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. The time. <laughs> I looked at the clock and I was like, oh, we've still got 10 minutes for Tempest to do this story. Oh, no, we don't. We've got, we're now two minutes over. Um, okay. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday with Ollie and I reviewing Raw. Uh, have a nice weekend, everyone. Happy Halloween. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.